Acts chapter 26, beginning at verse 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For this cause the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that He should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before, whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, which both almost and all together such as I am, accept these bonds. Here we see an event in the life of Paul where he's called before the, the leaders of the country at that time, and he proclaims the Gospel of Christ. He tells them what they need to hear, what they need to know. And you have one that says, Paul, you're mad. There's something wrong with you. You're crazy. And then you have King Agrippa who's asked a pointed question and then eventually he says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. There are some that believe that this is just a sarcastic remark that King Agrippa is making. I believe that it's a sincere remark that he was almost persuaded to be a Christian. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people today that are almost persuaded to be Christians. There are people out in the world that have heard the Gospel, they know the truth, but yet they just want to hold on to sin and not let go. And so therefore, they're almost persuaded. But there's a song in our songbook that says something about almost but lost. And so today, I want us to look at one of the songs that is in our songbook that is written about this event in the life of Paul. And it takes place, uh, or it's written because of this, and it's found on page 17. It is based upon the words that Paul hears from Agrippa, where Agrippa says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And if you have your songbook, you can turn over there. We're going to be looking at a few different songs over the course of the next few weeks. If we're here, Lord willing. And that song is Almost Persuaded, page 17 in our songbook. It was produced in the early 1870s, very early 1870s, by Philip Paul Bliss. Mr. Bliss had a stopover in a small eastern town, and while waiting for his connecting train to Chicago, Illinois, he visited a nearby church building where there was a minister by the name of Brundage. Mr. Brundage preached a lesson on King Agrippa. And after hearing that lesson, he was motivated to write the song that is before you on page 17 in our songbook. The words of that song was published in 1871 and put in a collection of The Charm, uh, uh, 
compiled by John Church and Company in Cincinnati, of Cincinnati, Ohio. And this is one of Mr. Blitz's most well-known, most popular songs. Very effective many times. We've heard it sung many times at gospel meetings because it helps people to think about their situation. Almost isn't enough. Almost but lost. Not a good thing to have happen. Because you may be close. But guess what? If you're lost, it's not close enough. And so we want to do what's right. So let's look at the, uh, the verses of that psalm and see what we can learn. Because I believe that that song is a very scriptural song that we can sing. And I didn't think about asking Chris. He made that our invitation song. He's shaking his head. So that's going to be our invitation song uh, tonight, page 17. Uh, so uh, if you would, you can mark that too. Put your marker right there. But the first stance of that song tells us that the Spirit wants us to be persuaded to believe. And that is very true that the Spirit of God wants us to believe. Then that first verse says, almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive. Seems now some soul to say, go Spirit, go thy way. Come or some more convenient day. On thee I'll call. The Bible teaches us <clears throat> that we must believe in God. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You can't seek God haphazardly. You have to diligently seek Him. You have to find His truth in His Word. You must obey that truth. And you must believe what the Bible teaches concerning God. You hear people today, they don't want to have anything to do with the Bible. They want to go to heaven. In fact, everybody thinks they're going to heaven. But guess what? If we're not doing what the Bible teaches, we're not going to make it there. John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus said, I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. So we either accept Jesus Christ, we believe that He is the Son of God, or we're going to die in our sins. And believing that He is the Son of God, certainly we would want to be obedient to what He teaches us. In Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31, He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Here on this occasion, Paul and Silas are in prison. The jail is shaken and they're released. The prisoners did not escape. The jailer came in, was ready to take his life because he thought everyone was gone. And Paul said, Do thyself no harm, we are all here. And he asked the question, What must I do to be saved? And it's there that Paul tells him what he needs to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. What does that mean to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? It means that you believe that He is the Son of God. You believe what He tells us that we must do in order to be saved. It's not just mentally saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not just verbally saying that, yes, I believe that He's the Son of God. It means that I'm putting my trust in what He's told me to do. And I'm willing to live the way He wants me to live. And that's very important in our lives today. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, For if thou wilt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe with thy heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
All of those things that we read about belief and, and confession and repentance leads us to the point where we're baptized into Christ. That we obey that Gospel and being baptized into Christ is what puts us into the body of Christ. That body that we talked about this morning that we're supposed to be building up and encouraging one another. It's that act of baptism that puts us into that body. So how do we believe or how do we come to believe? The answer is quite simple there. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John says, "...and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name." God does not expect us to have a blind faith. He wants us to know what the Scripture teaches about His Son. He wants us to know what He believes or what He wants us to believe and know about who He is and what He is and His power. And we see that God is the Almighty, that He is the Creator of this universe. That is very important that we understand that. In Romans chapter 10, and verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Where's my faith had to come from? My faith must be based upon what the Bible teaches me. And it's not just the red letters that are important. It's the Bible. The entire Bible that we look at. Old Testament was written for our learning. It's there for a reason. And we live under a New Testament, a new covenant after Jesus died on the cross. And so we believe those things and we put them into action in our life. And it must be what we practice and what we do must be based upon the Word of God. And without that happening, then our faith is void. If our faith is based upon what I like, what I want. Remember the passage of Scripture that I read in Deuteronomy this morning where they were going to go about doing their own thing, their own imagination. They are going to do their own thing. Hadn't been struck dead, so they thought everything was okay. If we're basing our faith upon man's belief as opposed to what God has told us, then our faith is in vain. And so we need to realize the importance of God's Word and studying it and why it's important to study it and to know what we need to do. Don't just believe what someone has said you need to do in order to be saved. Look at the Bible. See what Jesus says. As I've asked people before, what does your preacher tell you that you need to do in order to be saved? What does your pastor tell you you need to do in order to be saved? Let's look at what the Bible says you need to do to be saved. And guess what? Many times those don't match up. And so it's important that we do what God tells us to do. So how do we come to believe? It's not by a direct operation of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to come into me and tell me what to do. It comes through the written Word of God. That faith must be based upon the Word of God according to Romans 10 and verse 17. And so there's not one plan for you and another plan for you over here and another plan for me over here. It's this plan that's written in this book. And it's this plan that Agrippa was almost persuaded to obey. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, "...and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God." God's Word is what we need. Where do I get that? From this book. The second stanza of the song tells us that Jesus invites us to be persuaded to come to Him. Almost persuaded, come, come today. I want to stop right there because we need to realize that today is the day of salvation. We don't know of any record where Agrippa 
ever changed his mind, where he ever obeyed the gospel. As far as we know, the last we heard, he was almost persuaded. Brethren, you may almost be persuaded to live a faithful life to Christ. You may be here tonight and not a Christian and almost persuaded to become a child of God. Today is a day of salvation. Why? Why is today better than tomorrow? Why is today better than yesterday? Well, yesterday's gone and you can't change what happened yesterday. And you may not be here tomorrow to change. So keep that in mind. Why it's important for us to change now. Almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. Oh, wonder or come. We find when the birth of Jesus was announced that He, that he was coming into this world, in Matthew chapter 1, and verse 21, what's it tell us? It says that she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus' purpose to come to this earth was to save our souls. Not everybody wants to be saved, at least not by God's standard or by God's plan. People want to be saved, but they want to do it their way. Jesus came to bring the way. He is the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to this earth for a purpose, to save His people from their sins. God loved us enough to offer His Son on the cross, and there's a great invitation that's been extended to all people. But whether or not we accept that invitation is up to us. Just like it was up to King Agrippa. We find in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28-30, through 30, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. <clears throat> Jesus says, Come unto Me. Jesus invites us to come to Him. You think about where Christ is at, what He left, and He came to this earth, and now He's back ascended to the to the the throne or the right hand of the throne of God, and He invites us to come to Him. That's how important you are to our Savior. That's how important you are to our heavenly Father. That He sends that invitation to you. Jesus says, "Come." How do we come to Jesus? We must be drawn by God through being taught, hearing, and learning His Word. In John chapter 6, verses 44 through 45, O man can come to no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. For it is written in the prophets. And they shall all and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Jesus is telling us that we're going to be drawn to him. We're drawn to him through the word. We're drawn to him when others are teaching us that word. And we're studying with people to learn what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Remember what I said this morning. That when we're out telling people how awful the church is, it makes it hard to convert that individual. 
it makes it hard for that person to want to be a part of the church. You only hope that they realize that it's their relationship that's important with God and that they can still get to heaven despite what others are doing. But they still have to do it God's way. But that's why it's so important that we as Christians be a light to the world and build a church up in the community so that people can be drawn to God. So this indicates as we read there in John chapter 6 that coming to Jesus is more than just a mental acknowledgement that He is our Savior. It means that we must obey Him. For some, that's a very tough thing to swallow. That we must obey God. That we must obey what our Lord wants us to do. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things which He suffered. And being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Is obedience an option? You know, sometimes we look at the commands that we see in the New Testament that we as Christians are supposed to be obedient to. And I wonder sometimes, do we look at them as commands or suggestions? Is it just advice? Or is it what God really expects out of us? Jesus said, or Hebrews tells us, that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey Him. If I want to be saved, then I must obey what Jesus has said. That would also include the apostles because He gave them the authority to speak and they were guided by the Holy Spirit with the things that they taught and the things that they wrote. And so we must be obedient to His will. The third stance of the song tells us that God calls us to be persuaded to be saved. Almost persuaded. Harvest is past. Almost persuaded. Doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad that bitter wail. Almost, but lost. You can almost hear those words when someone is lost. The Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That invitation is open. That invitation is there as long as you have breath in your body. But there's a day coming when those invitations will stop. And that will be the day when the Lord returns or when death comes into your life and you pass from this world to the next. At that point, it will be too late. If you're not a Christian, you may be close. You may say, well, next Sunday I'm going to do it. Tomorrow night I'm going to do it. Some other day I'm going to do it. That's why today is the day of salvation. Because you have no promise of tomorrow. The Apostle Paul tells us that God's desire is that all people be saved. 
1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4, through 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. There we have two individuals, Paul and Peter, both telling us the desire that God has for us to be saved. He wants all people to be saved. You say, well then, why didn't He just make all people saved? Why didn't He just do that? Because as I've already said, we have to diligently seek Him. Not everybody wants to diligently seek Him. Some are happy just being haphazardly living the Christian life. Uh, If I'm here, that's fine. If I'm not, I'm fine. If I live it on Monday through through Saturday, I'm fine. If I don't, well, you know, it's okay. We have to strive to the best of our ability to do what God wants us to do in living a faithful life to Him. And as a result of that fact that God does not want anyone to be lost, God has made provisions that are necessary for everyone to have salvation through Christ. It doesn't matter how wicked you are, salvation is available. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not a Christian, you need to be saved. And we can find wicked individuals in the New Testament. We can find good individuals that were lost and needed to change. Cornelius was a good man, but yet he needed to be saved. Saul was a wicked man who persecuted the church, but yet he needed to be saved. And so you see the extreme. Some that are good, some that are bad. But guess what? They both needed salvation. Don't ever think that we're so good that we don't need to follow the plan that God has given us so that we can be saved. He's revealed those provisions in His Word. He's told us what we need to do to be saved. And there's two basic things that are necessary on our part in order for us to be saved. First, we must believe. As discussed in verse 1 of that psalm, Jesus said in John 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I've heard people misquote that passage of Scripture where they've said it, and whosoever believeth in Him will not perish. Well, if you believe in Christ, you should not perish because you know what you need to do. But just because you believe does not mean that you're going to be saved. The Bible tells us that the devil, the demons, they trembled. They believed, but they stayed in the condition that they were in. And so the belief that we're talking about here in the Bible is a belief that motivates us to do what God wants us to do. And sometimes that's hard. We've got people out there that don't want us to be Christians. We have family members and friends that may not want us to be Christians. It may cost us something when we obey the Gospel, but we believe what Jesus said and we obey what He's told us to do, which is the second point in coming to Christ. It takes obedience. Do you believe Him? If you believe Him, then you need to be obedient. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. 
And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. I've had people that tried to explain that verse away. But when you look in the book of Acts, what did the people teach? What did Peter preach on the day of Pentecost? Did he preach, pray this prayer? Repeat this after me? Or do you see that he did exactly what Jesus said? Because he realized that they believed when they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? They realized that they had crucified Christ. They knew who He was, that He was the Son of God. And what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You want your sins remitted? Do what the Bible says we must do in order to be saved. In order to have all the benefits of God's spiritual blessings in Christ, one must be a Christian. Unfortunately, when it comes to being a Christian, too many people who would like to receive these blessings are not willing to do what God says that they must do in order to receive them. I've seen it over and over. I'm sure we've all seen it over and over. Someone's struggling, you show them what the Bible says they need to do. They wonder why they don't have any good things happening, blessings, they don't see the blessings. Part of the reason is because they're not living a godly life. We have to live a godly life to be pleasing to God. And thus, to those who are not Christians tonight, I would encourage you to not be like Agrippa, almost persuaded, but be altogether persuaded and take that step and obey His will. It will be the greatest day of your life when you become a child of the King. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, become one. We've already said what we need to do in order to make that happen. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can do that tonight. Put your trust and faith in Him and be buried with our Lord in baptism. We're not talking Holy Spirit baptism. We're talking baptism in water because that's exactly what they did on the day of Pentecost. That's what they did with the Ethiopian eunuch. And that's what they did in every example we see of baptism when people obeyed the Gospel. Tonight you can do that. If you're a Christian and you have not lived as you should, stop playing around. Be serious about your soul. Be serious about your relationship with God. And turn and do the things that He wants us to do and encourages us to do. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.